Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29. Ah, the liftoff's getting ready to get, take place. Amen. We may not even have finish up this day. Amen. Be on the other side of glory. Okay. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 6. Thou shalt be visited of the Lord of hosts with thunders and with earthquakes and with great noise, with a storm of tempest and the flame of devouring fire. From the Amplified it reads, You shall be visited and delivered by the Lord of hosts with thunder, earthquakes, and great noise with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. These are signs of the times. He says, when we have those earthquakes, it's a getting ready for a visitation of the Lord. And uh, she found a whole list that just happened in the last few days. If she can bring it up, I'll... Well, many of them were at the same time as ours. That's what concerned me the most. Okay, Matthew chapter 24. Beginning with verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall, be, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you not be troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Wow. So it, once she finds that list, I'll give you the rest. Um, Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, looking at verse 54. That's Matthew 27, verse 54. Now the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done. They feared God greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. So um, there was an earthquake at uh, the cross with Jesus. And then if you go to chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 2. Well, let's go to verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. So there's earthquakes happening. And it says it when we read in Isaiah chapter 29 that these were signs of his coming. And uh, there was a hole at when the earthquake hit out in Orcutt this morning. She picked up the, her phone and all the information that came on it. And there was numerous earthquakes happening at the same time in diverse places. Glory to God. Amen. 
this may be our last Christmas. Or our first Christmas with the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. So Amen. praise God on that. Have you found that list yet, I Lev? I have a list. I don't know if it's the same one. Well, that's all right. Here you go. Let me read these. Well. Okay, volcano in the Canary, Canary Islands, uh, earthquake, 2.4. Volcano at the big, big island, John and Whitney had this one, 2.2 earthquake. That occurred 20, uh, 20 uh, hours ago. Two, two earthquakes occurred near a volcano during a one hour and 29 minutes. Uh, that was, they have a bunch of earthquakes, all different places. Wow. New Zealand, I just got to, again, another one in New Zealand. Thursday, they had, uh, wow, can't even pronounce these names, they're, they're all over the place. Wow. Earthquake, there is. That's, that tells them right there. Okay. Let's start off with an, well. Get my tithes and offering up. Let's, let's go, ahead, go ahead and receive. Let's now turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. That's Matthew, chapter 2. And Matthew, chapter 2. That's Matthew, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen him, seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. In verse 6, 5. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written, in by, the, uh, written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art thou 
not least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Wow. Well, we see the wise man, wise man went to Jerusalem. And they wanted to know where the king of, uh, king of the Jews would be born. And Herod didn't like that because he was king. Uh, they asked, it, and Herod then asked, we just read it, uh, the chief priests and scribes, where is Christ to be born? They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. The Magni, uh, the Magni, <laughs> the Magi were told this and departed for Bethlehem. Jerusalem is a major city in Israel at that time. But Bethlehem was like a hamlet or a suburb. It's like Santa Maria and Orchid. They're that close together. In fact, uh, The distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem is only six miles. Six miles. Six miles, that's all it is, six miles. Now the question is, why didn't the Jewish leaders go to Bethlehem? It was so close. They knew that the Messiah was to be born there, according to... Micah 5 and, 5 and 2. Why didn't they go out and check it for themselves? It's only six miles. In fact, this location to my house is six miles. So that's close. I mean, if something spectacular was going to happen, it's only six miles. It'll only take you, if, if you're walking, maybe a couple hours. Or if you had a donkey or a horse, it, your time would be a lot shorter. The Magi knew so little about the king of the Jews. And they came so far and gave so much. Now, the, the scribes and Pharisees, whom... Herod asked, where is, it, where is it, this king of the Jews supposed to be born? They knew much. Were so near and did not care. Wow. Here's the people that's expecting the Messiah, knew where he was being to be born, and they weren't excited. They didn't want anything to do with it. It was just a mere six miles. They could have gotten their chariot. Got on a donkey. Or just took a stroll. And, got, and, and be in Bethlehem in time to, to find out what's going on there. Just six miles. If Jesus came nearby to our town, would you go see him? Yeah. Again, the Jewish scholars knew 
much about the Messiah. They knew that the Messiah would be a Jew. That he would be born or would come from the tribe of Judah. He would be a descendant of David. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born of a virgin. They all knew that. They were scholars of the word. And they knew when this Messiah was supposed to come. But they didn't take heed to it. They didn't take heed to it. I got two sermons this morning, so look out. The Jewish scholars, Pharisees, were the best and brightest minds of the day. That's why Herod called them. Hey, where is this happening? And they just said, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. These things are about it. And then, uh, and then uh, Herod tells, tells the Magi, well, when you find him in, in, in Bethlehem, come and tell me. The scribes and Pharisees knew the word. They knew the truth. But why didn't they go to Bethlehem? Well, for one, they had a lot of knowledge. And sometimes knowledge makes you lazy. You know, I know that. I don't have to worry about that. Why should I go to Bethlehem? I know that's where he's going to be. It's possible they knew too much. You can study long and hard and debate many ideas and never get around to making a commitment to what you've learned. Uh, let's... Turn now to 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, we're going to find out something here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is a proclamation of the scribes and Pharisees of that day. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, looking at verse 7, 7. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. How many Christians are that way? Ever learning, but never come to the knowledge of truth. Ah, well, you know, I know that. I don't need to. Or I've heard that before. I don't need to listen to it anymore. That's, that's old. That's archaic. I've heard that story every Christmas, every uh, resurrection Day. I know those stories. I, you can't tell me nothing new. They're not, their knowledge is not any good because it's not applied. We need to apply the knowledge that we have. What good is your knowledge if you never make a personal commitment to their religion? Made them spiritually Indifferent. It's true. Religion, even good religion, even on 
even based on Bible religion, can deaden the heart and mind. Well, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Presbyterian, and etc., etc. As if that label that you're under is going to determine if you make it to heaven or not. Whatever church we attend, it still keeps, they kept knowledge away from them. As long as Jesus is a theory, he will be no benefit to us personally. That's what these scribes and Pharisees, well, we know, we've been waiting, and, and now we heard that we've been told that he's by the Magi that they were they were following a star. What kind of people are these? Three, they were culturally arrogant. I know better. They knew what it was or where he was. But what are about these strangers, these magi? They talk differently. They even dress strangely. And they said they followed a star. How bizarre is that? They, the, the, the word does not say anything about a star. So these people had to be off. So I'm not going to go to Bethlehem, just six mere miles away. It's always easy to discount people who aren't like us. Well, you go so it's such a church. We're better. Etc. Etc. Those who should have been leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees, were no leaders. They would never be a good leader. For they had no heart towards the Messiah. Where's your heart this morning? If, if the heart is not right, no matter what amount of Bible knowledge you have, it'll never make up the difference. This is heart, heart commitment. Those Pharisees and Sadducees When they told Herod in, in front of the Magi where he was born, no one volunteered. Well, I can show you where Bethlehem is. Now, I'm not going to stoop down to lead you anywhere. You've you got a star to follow. Ha, ha, ha. Hello. Not one of those scribes and Pharisees offered to escort these Magi to see the king who had been promised to their own nation of Israel. No gratitude. They were just six, six miles away from Jesus. Whether fear, ingratitude, or indifference, the Jewish leaders wouldn't go a mere six miles. 
come, thou long expected to see the Messiah. It's only six miles. Born to set thy people free. A stroll, six miles. Oh, come, all ye faithful. The distance is just six miles. Oh, come, let us adore him. It's only six miles. And the answer was no. They were six miles from their salvation. They were six miles from their forgiveness. They were six miles from eternal life. They were just too busy studying the Bible for themselves. You have to make this thing personal. Receiving Jesus is personal. You've got to go to him. They all knew that the baby was born in Bethlehem. And they, know, and they knew who the baby was. The scribes knew and ignored him. The scribes and Pharisees knew and, and ignored him. Herod knew and tried to kill him. The wise men knew and came to worship him. What cat category are we in this morning? The lesson here, it is possible to know the great deal and still miss the truth. Jesus stands at the end of life's road for all of us. There is no middle ground. Not even six miles. To ignore him is the same as to hate him because you end up without him either way. Whoa. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, the ultimate question is not how someone else responds, but how do you respond to Jesus? Are you with the scribes or with or Herod? Or maybe the wise men? Are you too busy to get involved with Jesus? Or are you just hostile towards Jesus? Are you coming to worship him as your Lord and Savior? I'll end this portion with this story. Rose Kennedy, uh, the mother of John F. Ken the Kennedy family, as we know him, um, was enamored with riches, with fame and power and things of the world. And they had a, a wonderful thing happen. They had the birth of their first child, which was a little girl. And they were so happy. Um, but something started to develop. It became apparent that the child was mentally retarded and will have to be institutionalized for her entire life. Rose Kennedy then became consumed with anger and bitterness. She hated God. It drained every bit of joy from her life. The situation in her, 
with her daughter soon overflowed into her social life. Anytime that she'd be out, she'd bring it up. Or someone says, how's your daughter? She would curse and say, God's not any good. She had a maid, a Christian. And the maid told her, let's see how I've got it. The maid spoke to her about her, her anger and suggested that she do something about it before it ruined her life. The maid said, I think you should pray this prayer. Oh, Lord, make my heart a manger where the Christ child can be born. Immediately, Mrs. Kennedy... Cursed, fired, fired the maid, told her to get out, don't bother anymore. After a few restless nights of no sleep, Mrs. Kennedy said that prayer. And it changed her outlook on life, for he received the Lord Jesus Christ at that time. Love replaced the anger that had gripped her soul. She then found the maid that opened her eyes to Jesus. And she was uh, the maid until her passing. It's what, what you do with the information you have. Lord, make my heart the manger where Christ's child can be born. Amen. So be it. Okay, are you ready for two? This could take a long time. This is six pages. One. Turn with me to the book of Luke. Aren't you lucky? I'm giving you two because you don't come on, on Wednesday. <laughs> book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke 2, chapter 2, beginning verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should deliver. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Remember the Bethlehem message? Verse 8. And there were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for, to all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men. Verse 15, And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Whoa. Why did Jesus come to, come to earth? Why did he come and what, makes, what difference did it make? Well, Let's find out Jesus' own words why he came to earth. Let's go to the book of Luke. We're still in the book of Luke. We want to go to the 19th chapter this time. And in the beginning of uh, chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, we see the conversion of Zacchaeus. So we want to go drop down to... Let's start with verse 9. And Jesus said unto him, Zacchaeus, This day is salvation come unto this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. Here's what he says. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus come to seek and save that which is lost. That was his total purpose in coming. That's a simple statement. I'm coming to seek and save the lost. Jesus has come to earth. The Almighty has entered our world. The infinite has become finite. Eternal, uh, the eternal has invaded time. The incarnate, God in human flesh, the Bible calls him Emmanuel, God with us. That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. His birth differs from any other birth. His birth was appointed. By the Father. Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4 we see. Verse 4. Galatians 4 and 4. But when the fullness of time was come. God sent his son. Made of a woman. Made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's the reason. Full, the full time had come. Jesus was now to come and fulfill the purpose. To seek and to save that which is lost. He came from light into darkness. He left splendor to come into, into what we call squalor. He came from purity into a world of sin. Not just any man, the Son of God. Not as an angel or some extraordinary 
expressional. He entered the human race in the form of a baby, and the term son of man emphasized Jesus' uh, humanity. He is the son of man because he was the first son of God. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, this miracle of Christmas, every other miracle prepares the way for this or is a result of this miracle. The miracle of Jesus coming gives a miracle for the rest of us. The central truth of our faith and the point to which uh, we part company with, with Judaism or even with Islam, both reject the notion that God had a son and that God could somehow become one of us. For Christians, it's impossible to speak about God without speaking about Jesus because, he, because God became a man. Second, Jesus came looking to seek and to save. He's like the man who lost the one sheep and went out into the wilderness to find it. He's like the father who welcomed his prodigal son home again. He's like the woman that lost a coin and searched diligently to find it. He came seeking sinners in a tree. That's Zacchaeus. We looked at that. And the woman at the well, Jacob's well, came seeking there. Jesus came seeking those caught in adultery, blind, the beggars, the leopards, and the wild men living in tombs. He even came seeking the self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees who thought they didn't even need him. He came seeking fishermen, politicians, radicals, physicians, tax collectors, rich men, poor folk that no one would touch. He sought prostitutes and drunkards and they loved him for it. And when he was dying, he came seeking one hanging on the cross beside him. That's Jesus. Came to seek and save the lost. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus came as a seeking Savior. We will never understand this unless we see this clearly. Third, what was lost? We talk about confusion, about our pur purpose in life, uh, needing, a new needing a new beginning, never being lost. We read the Bible, you can read the Bible from cover to cover to see that men are lost and then are in need of a Savior. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 53 this time. That's Isaiah chapter 53. Glory to God. We serve a risen Savior. Isaiah chapter 53, looking at verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone his own way and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. 
Each one of us has gone our own way. But he sought us. When we were born, we were running. Running amok in sin. We wanted, we want to do our own things. That's why you're always telling the kids, no, no. We all want to go our own way. Now, the dumb sheep don't have anything over us. We don't even know that we're lost until someone finds us. If Jesus did not come to us, we would never come to him. We were lost without God. We were lost without hope. We were lost in a tangled web of sin. We were lost and trapped forever. What then is our hope if we're so hopelessly lost? The answer is Jesus, who came to seek and to save that was lost. He found me. He found you. If we neglect Jesus after we know the truth, we will be condemned to hell forever if we reject Jesus. What does it mean for us? If Jesus came, we have responsibilities that are increased. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. What kind of responsibilities do, are we given? Luke chapter 12. Again. If Jesus came, our responsibilities increase. Luke chapter 12, verse 48 tells us, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Here's, here we go. For unto whosoever much is given, of him much shall be required. And to, him, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask more. When we know who Jesus is, we have a commitment to make or a decision to make. If God did nothing, the whole human race would perish. Romans 3.23. That's Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall sh short of the glory of God. What a position that is. But that's not the situation any longer. Jesus has come to the earth and God made it plain to us. Jesus left heaven to make his home among us, to reveal God to us, to show us the true nature of the Father. In him we see God's love. For God so loved the world. In him we see God's mercy. In him we see God's kindness. In him, Jesus, we see God's justice. In him, we see God's holiness. He came to fulfill 
truth and grace. And what did we do for him or to him? We heard his words. Hallelujah. We saw his miracles. Wow. We listened to his voice. Then we considered his offer. And then we put him to death. All that. We crucified the Lord of glory. We knew all about Jesus. What will our end be if we have nothing, if we have heard the truth and yet neglect it? The same gospel that saved a man can also condemn a man. So you need to, when you hear the good news, you need to receive, we need to receive it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. If Jesus came to save the sinner, the sinner is out without excuse. You don't have any excuse anymore. What excuse could we give that would satisfy God? I just got married. I bought land. Uh, I've, I've got an appointment across town. How would you explain your rejection of Jesus? What sufficient reason would you have for saying no to God's own son? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Turn there. Because I want you to look at another verse. It's John 3.16 Have you found it? John 3.16. What does it read? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The scripture I want to look at now is verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Wow. God has more grace in his heart than you have seen in your life. God has more grace in his heart than you have sin in your life. The joyful news pardon me, of the gospel is Christ came to save sinners. Luke, go back to Luke chapter 19 this time. Luke chapter 19. Glory. Luke chapter 19. Verse 10, Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. There's no limits there. No limits on God's grace. Some come to church without Jesus, but they don't have to leave without him. 
Again, know that Jesus is a better Savior than you are a sinner. Your past did not your past does not determine your future when Jesus enters the picture. So you got two for the price of one this morning. And if you're looking for a title, I'm using the first one. A mere six miles, or just six miles. Amen. Oh yeah. Got, got it perfect. Glory to God. If you get a chance, look up the earthquakes that are happening around the world. The uh, time clock is uh, running, and we need to be prepared. Don't, let's not caught, be caught like the uh, five unwise virgins. Let's be ready. The signs are upon us. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So at this time, we can participate in our communion service. Oh, glory. Heather will put on the, the, the music, and we just could file up and pick up our emblems and when we all have them we will partake together born for a purpose to seek and find the lost to die and pay the penalty for us and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Paul writes beginning in verse 23 for I have received of the Lord that which I also deliver unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he break it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me after the same manner he also took the cup and when he had supped saying this cup is a New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks for the emblems, Father God, that show the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to give to pay the price for our entire freedom. The bread represents his body was beaten and bruised his stripes by Jesus stripes we are made whole and healed so Father God we receive this bread as a token of that promise in Jesus name And this cup signifies the New Testament. The blood that washes away all sin 
removes every stain of sin. Because poured out that we might be able to be adopted into the kingdom of God. We thank you for the blood, Father God. The cleansing blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody need prayer at this time? Okay, let's all stand. I think the goodies are out there already, I think. Amen. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks as we celebrate, Father God, the birth of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that he fulfilled, Father God, every promise, Father God, to the sinner. Giving us the ability, Father God, to call out to you as we receive him as Lord and Savior. We ask now, Father God, uh, as we break bread together, Father God, thank you, Lord, that you strengthen us, Father God, uh, for the remaining days, Father God, we have in this year, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we are blessed, Father God, and we can be and will be blessing to others. Bless the food that we're about to partake in, the hands that prepared it, in Jesus' name. Amen.